This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Match Report. <laughs> I'm Chris Hambling and with me today, hi Cara. Hello. What did yeah, I miss? I, 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 I lost enthusiasm during the course of that introduction. It's difficult, isn't it? Yeah. How long was that? In, was that 10 seconds and, and it's gone? Yeah. <laughs> I think I got to mat, the words match report and then I just didn't want to do it anymore. Um, so, I think it sounded go. like it started at back of the nest. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, I'm here again. Oh. Yeah, this again. It's been like what 12, 13 years of doing this, but um, <laughs> there you go. But ah, look, it was, um, yeah, obviously, we're here to, to talk about the fact that Palace uh battled to a 2 1 defeat against Luton. At, at, uh, is it still Kenilworth Road? I think it is, isn't it? That's what it's called. Yeah, I, well, I was I was firstly going to pick up on whether or not we battled, but we'll get to that, I guess. It's <laughs> a good point. Um, yeah, I know a lot of people were looking forward to this away trip. You know, mo- a lot of people's first time going to, to Luton's ground. Um, and yeah, it's one of those amazing old school stadiums stuck in the middle of a bunch of houses that just looks ridiculous when you, when you go. Uh, it's just a, a sight to behold. Um, but I think a lot of people probably had a, a better day in mind um, when they set off in the morning, and um, but we weren't we weren't treated to such, were we? So no, but you know, to try and start off positively, mm. we have done our bit to try and make sure that anyone who didn't get tickets to go to this game, we, we've done our bit to keep Luton in the league so that they get another shot <laughs> next, next season. Or, or we go down with them. One of the, well, that's the oh, other yeah. option, isn't it? So, you know, <laughs> so you get another go. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Um, anyway, before we get too heavily into the depressing stuff, and, and this will not be a long podcast because who wants to to sort of go into the detail on this game? I don't think anybody. Certainly not the, the Palace players. Um, come Monday morning when they have to review the match video, I think that there might be a few people calling in sick for that one. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, what, we've been up to anything exciting away from football? God, have I? Sorry, I was so. Sing, any more, any more singing lessons? 
Uh, yeah, well, actually, a couple, so I haven't been here for a few weeks. Obviously, I uh, popped mm. back to England for a few weekends, um, one of which was uh, my sister and brother-in-law's joint 40th. So they have the misfortune of their birthdays being the 23rd and the 24th of December, so they can never actually celebrate mm. their birthdays uh, when it is. So um, they had a big party, um, did some singing for them, which was nice made my niece cry and like she couldn't she's only four and so she Mm. couldn't express whether she was crying because she liked it or because she was crying because she didn't like it so um yeah that's the only review that i got from a bit of a tough one i mean (laughs) that is tough isn't it yeah tears can be good uh but yeah um i mean maybe maybe she enjoyed the singing but was just traumatized that it came from you i yeah, I think that's, that, that, that no, that was my older, that was my older oh. nephew who was just really embarrassed and like kind of <laughs> liked it, but also had some of his friends there, and so he couldn't like say that he liked it, so he just refused to speak to me for the rest of the night, um, <laughs> which I am taking as a compliment. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, I think that, if that, all yeah. hated it, they all just would have bullied me. So um, oh, wow. yeah, I think it went well. That's good news. So I'm I'm glad you had something <laughs> positive. That's, that's nice. Thank you. How about um, you? Yeah, it's just been quite cold, hasn't it? That's all I've really got to say <laughs> the last week or so. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if I've done anything exciting at all. I did. Um, I did uh, my Good Samaritan bit today. I was walking the dog and walking through the, the forest and just heard some quite loud crying. That's like, oh my oh, god! I don't know what that is. Um, so as I got closer, um, basically this uh, relatively young girl just sort of emerged from somewhere in the forest crying her eyes out Um, and i was like oh okay um she got closer realized i think she i think she probably had down syndrome something along those lines um so clear and she was really very sad and and did she said i've lost my mom i don't know where i where i am what i'm doing and i was like oh okay i said well where have you where have you come from and she said oh i just came from over there I was like, okay. Uh, I said, and uh, where was your mum with you? She said, yeah, but she's gone. I was like, okay. Do you know which direction she went? She went, I think she went that way. And I said, well, I'm walking the dog that way. So, you know, walk with me and we'll see if we can go find her. Um, So then I spent a good half an hour sort of walking around with her, trying to manage the fact that she didn't understand she couldn't pet my dog, who is people reactive. Right. Um, And that that was quite a fun thing to manage. Um, but a sort of combination of good things happened. And first of all, I think probably the third or fourth time since having our, our rescue dog, she was able to kind of realize that this person was not neuronormative and was trying to yeah. interact with her. And she just went over and sat down next to her and let her pet her, which was really oh sweet God. and warm the heart. Yeah, Amazing. she was such a good girl. Yeah. And then um, I kind of eventually, after some difficult conversations where she this girl wanted to know why i didn't have her mum's phone number um why? and my my instincts for comedy um i had to su- sort of <laughs> suppress those slightly and just say well I, you know i've i'm not sure i've ever met your mum so um i managed to eventually talk her into telling me what you know that that what, that she did actually live nearby because she was just right. literally following me around and i was saying do you do you live down here she said no no i can't go out to the road I'm like, so logic says you don't you, you can't go out to any of the roads you must live very yeah. near 
where I originally found you. So I kind yeah. of circled back to there and then saw this woman looking around frantically. I was like, is that your mum over there? Oh, yeah, that's my mum. Like, God for that. Thank so God. I managed to nav- navigate all of that. The dog didn't bite her. Um, and and when, actually, winners all round. Yeah, winners all round. Actually did a longer dog walk than normal. And uh, yeah, so that that all worked really well. So I feel like I, I achieved Mine. something today, which is more than you can say for Roy Hodgson's Crystal Palace. <laughs> yes, yeah. I think it is. And it also sounds like narrowly avoided uh, being the subject of a Netflix documentary with that happy ending. So that's yeah, good. exactly. Um, yeah, that could have gone very wrong, couldn't it? And no, and I have watched too much too too, too much true crime to, to uh, the whole time. I'm thinking. I need to actually make sure I get her to a mum because if something goes wrong somewhere, you know, I'm going to be the, the suspect. Between now and then. Yeah, I, I yeah. just, yeah, I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm yes. not very good. I'm not very good at sort of, first of all, I'm not good with children. I don't understand them. Second of all, uh, I'm not particularly great with people in general. Um, right. So um, I just, I'm just very, very awkward, especially with new people. I have no idea yeah. how to talk to humans. Um, so I feel like I, I, I excelled myself by, um, channeling a a normal person. You and the dog Mm. won your best kind of overcoming challenges behavior and absolutely smashed it. So what a day. Absolutely. And I, it means I don't need to do anything else good for the rest of 2023. (laughs) That's it. It's done now. That's definitely how it works. Yeah. 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 Okay. Should we, um, have a quick chat about uh what other parts of palace got on with because there was some good news um so the the under 21s uh roy called them the under 23s the other day a couple of seasons out there roy just to point that out (laughs) but um to be fair i've probably done it at least twice this season as well so anyway the under 21s were uh, playing in the premier league cup um played birmingham and won 4-1 uh, Jack Wells Morrison, um, Ola Adabomi, Adamola Ola Adabomi, uh, with two goals there. It's rich vein of form. And uh, David Ozo got his second goal in as many weeks as well uh, after not scoring any until uh, last week. So, um, made it, yeah, it was 4 1. Uh, someone called Williams for Birmingham scored a goal. Don't care. Don't, don't play for Palace. Don't care. You are. Um, so, uh, but yeah, really, really strong performance again. And, you know, a lot of changes for, for Palace come almost every week by week. There's quite significant changes. You're getting, obviously, members of the first-team squad getting minutes here, there, and everywhere. Um, so I think it was five five changes from the previous game, but still the performances are really consistent and really you know high quality every week at the moment. So um, I think it's it's 12 goals for the season for um, uh, Adebome, um which has been, uh, you know, Really, really good for him. He's coming on extremely well, spending a lot of time with the first team uh, in terms of training. So very high hopes for him. I thought for a couple of years he's got a really good chance. And when you see some of the efforts up front for Palace, um, <laughs> you start thinking, well, we could do a lot worse than sticking him on the pitch. Obviously, Roy won't, but you could probably do a lot yeah. worse. They must have um, yeah, to do, mustn't they? Like They go out there, mm. they put on really good performance every week, and then they must watch Palace on the the senior team on a yeah. Saturday or Sunday and think seriously like, like, are yeah. you seriously saying that I'm, I'm not as good as that yeah I could literally come off the bench and run around exactly like Mateta did uh, you yeah. know, and, yeah. and achieve exactly what he did so yeah. what's the problem uh, but there you go um, I, yeah, I don't be too harsh on 
Mateta, to be fair. He doesn't, doesn't get enough uh, consistent minutes, really, but uh, which is make another hard part of playing the same team every week, really. But um, anyway, there was also a pretty incredible game for the under-18s. Um, winning 5-4 against Fulham. Um, were 2-0 up at one stage, uh, then went 4-2 down before three goals um, including one right towards the end of the game, an injury time from George King, I think it was, um, in the yeah fourth minute of stoppage time there to win 5-4. But you know one of the big headlines from that was um, Captain Zach Marsh, who's obviously got a couple of goals for the England under-18s, I think it was, uh, in, his, in his first appearance for them this season as well. He scored another hat-trick. That's five hat-tricks under-18 level this season. Absolutely incredible. I think um, that must be, I want to say, 17 goals for the season. Um, yeah, it's pretty I think, good, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I think 12 games, 17 goals. Um, so really, must be pushing to 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 you know get into the into the 21s group at the very least uh, before the end of the season. There was another goal for Jesse Derry, or Jesse. Jerry, Terry, Derry, as we, we like to call him. Um, and as, as I mentioned, there was the, the winner was for, from George King. So fantastic performance. I mean, you, I've seen some of the, well, I've seen all the goals on the Crystal Palace FC Academy. Uh, I'm still going to say Twitter because I can't be bothered to, to work out how to, I mean, it's X, but who cares? Like, the the goals are on there as well, but the it's the celebrations when George King scores the winner. Um, they're an absolute joy to behold. There's nothing quite like a, a last minute winner. Um, so if you if you're craving a bit of you know excitement from Palace, you could do a lot worse than find that and watch that because yeah, it makes you feel good about the club for just that brief period of time before you have to settle down and remember we just lost to Luton. Um, and uh, yeah, also CPFC women played on Wednesday uh, against Watford in the Cup. I think you have that article available. That's right. I do. Yes. Um, moved to the top of uh, Group C in that competition, which is great. Um, so three goals, as you say, all coming in the second half uh, from Riley Dennis and Hughes. Um, does sound like it was a bit of a mental match. Uh, Watford had 12 shots, two of them on target and scored uh, none. Um, so uh, I have not watch any of their other games so I don't know if that is kind of uh, consistent with uh, troubles they are currently having um, or not but who cares because we won we scored three we get to the top of the group and it's some good news for Palace and I think probably a good uh, time for it to come um, off the back of that defeat against Southampton um, when we played them at Sellers Park uh, was that last weekend I've lost track of all dates I think it was last weekend um, yeah, so- Changes Kaminsky made to the team. So um, obviously paying off um, and just getting uh, the team just back to their winning ways um, ahead of going back into the league uh, in their next game. So, uh, yeah, definitely some positives to be taken from there. And also, I guess, uh, positives to be taken from having enough strength in depth to make those six changes um, and have such a convincing um, result. So uh, things continue to look good um, on the women's side of the club. Long may that continue. Yeah, fantastic. And obviously, yeah, you, you mentioned about Watford there, having a whole bunch of shots, only two on target and not scoring any goals. I mean, you know, Palace had 16 shots, uh, eight on target against Luton and, and only scored one goal, which was an absolute uh, wonder goal came out of pretty much nowhere from from Michael Elise. Certainly wasn't a tactical decision to you know uh, earn that goal. So 
you know, it doesn't really mean anything if you're not creating proper opportunities, you're not putting them away and you're not, you know, you're not more consistent and, more, and have more quality with your 61% possession, which is, again, what Palace had in that game. Just making a, a point there. Um, I was just, just wondering if you've run out of steam avoiding the inevitable <laughs> of talking about the Luton game. Do we just, do we just need to go uh, on to it? I think, look, let's just, just cover a few things. I mean, obviously, like, I do, I, in terms of any positivity you can take out of it, you, the goal from Michael Elise is outstanding. I mean, picking the ball up on the halfway line, the kind of, the, the skill, the, 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 the turn straight off is fantastic. The skill and the power and the pace uh, is is immense. And, you know, it's a very Zaha goal. You know, he, yeah. didn't, he didn't do that. I'm not saying he did that tremendously often, but he did it regularly, especially when he got a little bit frustrated or annoyed. You know, he would do things like that. And the, the cut in and the firing across the keeper into the into the far corner. And that that's amazing to see. But it's kind of bittersweet, not just because we lost the game, because um, a goal like that deserved a lot, lot more. But it kind of just goes back to that, the kind of ringing in my ears of 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 the idea that we're just we're just here to turn up, play in a shape, stop the opposition playing, and then wait for our better players to do something like that. And that just feels yeah. like what Palace are right now. And that to me is is very neg. It's the negative side of an amazing goal. Is it just? It's like it's almost feeding into the idea that starting a game against Luton with absolutely no urgency and just letting the first half completely pass us by. Again, I mean, how many times this season has a first half of football completely passed us by? It's the vast majority. And then we just feel like, just try to step on the gas a little bit. But if we're away from home, don't do too much. If we're at home, don't do too much. And if we concede a goal, then try. And you're just like, well, you know, we can. We don't have to wait to concede a goal to then attack. We can yeah. attack first, and then we might win more games. And you know that that's the problem with with seeing a goal like this become absolutely meaningless. But bittersweet, I think, is the absolutely perfect way to describe it, and it's exactly how I felt um, when the fight. Well, actually, when Luton's second goal went in, not even waiting to the final whistle, um, because it is reminiscent of that that wolf mentality that is amazing to have and we want that we want like the reaction when our players are like rightfully a bit pissed off or whatever is just to grab the ball and be like if it kills me this is going in the back of the net or it was at least yeah. getting close you know and we really saw that from Elise we know that he has that in him anyway like I <clears throat> probably mentioned it far too much since it happened but you know we saw that kind of coming of age game for him was against Millwall when he was getting mm-hmm. like absolute abuse whatever and his reaction to it rather than to shy away from it and we'd seen him be a bit shy in the um in the kind of games that he played up until that point and he's not been the same player since you know he just rose to the occasion and really proved a point and he has that in him but we rode off that with Will for so long (laughs) and I kind of got to the end of the game yesterday and thought oh god is that is that where we're at now is it are we just seeing like Parrish and Roy because I mean god knows when there's going to be a time when Roy Hodgson isn't our manager just being like it's fine because like at least they will just pull something out the bag and we just do we want another generation of being that team? <laughs> you know, where it's yeah. like, just, it's all, but it's also harsh on 
on Elise and you know other creative players that we that we have because they are celebrated the fans love them and it's a great club to be at but they're not then supported with the football around them to allow them to play their best football like it, it moments of brilliance like that great but like also create a team around them that allows them to play really kind of um football that's really rewarding for them to play as well not just those odd moments of brilliance where they've got to pull something out of the bag you know yeah, of course. And, and look, it's the biggest problem we have right now. We we saw Roy come in for 10 games and just free people from the pressure yeah. that they'd been playing under, right? Things had gone wrong under Vieira and we were just waiting for him to fix it. And it just, we just didn't know if he would, you know, the club made the decision they made. Roy came in with Ray and they just gave Elise and Eze the freedom to go and play football and everybody else relaxed kind of as a result of that. We still obviously had Wilf, who was still, you know, hugely influential in games and taking up a lot of time from of opposition defenders. So we were a really dangerous team when we were allowed to just go out and relax and play football. And that kind of short-term boost that Roy gave was absolutely fantastic. Far better than I thought it was going to be. It, it, you know, it had me dreaming that this season would be different, but I, in my heart I knew it wouldn't be. You know, I knew this, this this season was going to be like this, but it doesn't make it any easier to to handle. And when you look at the lineup we started with, it's Roy, Roy had basically the right to pick his strongest team for the first time in a long time. Now he chose to drop Jordan Ayew and play Jeffrey Schlupp in that team, which I don't understand at all. Uh, there's nothing that's pointed to that being appropriate, other than perhaps if Schlupp is giving Mitchell cover on the left side, which he does six out of ten times he's supposed to i suppose in a game like he he will go and double up and give mitchell a bit of cover which is at times needed if we're targeted that so that's the only reason to pick jeffrey schlip over jordan are in that in my view that i could possibly think of and, cool. and even then you needed to do that against luton yeah but this is my you're exactly right it's exactly where my rant is going like but it's luton go and pick your best <laughs> attacking lineup like if, if you're gonna play Mateta and Edward together, this is the game to do it, right? Because you know what they're gonna yeah. do. They're gonna they're gonna try and outwork us. And they did. They outworked us. Their intensity was so much better than ours. We we were the better side. We had more of the ball, we had more shots, created more opportunities. We were the better side in that respect. But in terms of when you watch the game, you watch the flow of the game, at no point did I look at it and think, we are the clear gonna be clear and deserve winners here because we just didn't have enough urgency. We didn't want to score enough. We didn't want, like, we didn't, like, the first half just was absolutely diabolical. There was, you know, there was nothing in it in terms of, of our desire. And I don't know about you, as a, as a Palace fan, I've, I kind of, I've kind of accepted at times that we're going to be a team that that doesn't necessarily make good on the talent that we have. But I've never yeah. thought that as a team that we would be a team that lacked any fight. I, I know we, I've seen many, many times in the past us pick functional players over talent because we need the fight, because we need the intensity, because we need to play at a high tempo. And that's always been frustrating. But now we're, we're not even doing that. The, the, the kind of basics that I expect from a Crystal Palace team are completely absent. And I cannot take much more of of palace starting games at a pedestrian pace and just not just not looking like they have any interest in winning a football match in the first 45 minutes 
Yeah, it's, I, I, would, I would agree with you. And I, I, I just wonder if it does point towards a kind of more club-wide thing of like, what is our identity? What is what? What are we working towards? What are we kind of? What are our markers of like? Oh, that's a successful league for Crystal Palace. Like nobody knows because for some people it would be another year in the Premier League. That's it. But it's like okay, we are ten years on from that, from like reaching the Premier League. When when can we just get to a point where we think we have a right to just expect that we're not going to get relegated? And and. If we're at that point, which I think we should be at that point by now, and for me, we are at that point where we can kind of, at a very base level, just expect that we have a season where we're not in a relegation battle, then what is our ambition? Because every time we speak about that, then we have another section of the fans going like, don't want for too much, or always comments about like um, being like Charlton or whatever. That made me laugh, Mm -hmm. by the way, quick segue, Mm -hmm. about saying, uh, you know, Charlton fans were to blame. And it reminds them of that, of them saying like, seventh place wasn't good enough. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around, to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. But I tell you what, get us to seventh place and then we'll see. We'll worry yeah. about people moaning about just being in seventh place then. But we're, we're nowhere near seventh place yet. No. Anyway, pulling it back to the original point that I wanted to make is <laughs> I think we're seeing now it's seeping through to the team because under Vieira, yes, we, it ended with issues, absolutely. But we did have a chunk of time where we had an identity we had ambition, we played with ambition. And so those games that were going wrong, it was really noticeable that that had dropped and that there were problems. Don't get me wrong, that's undeniable. And then for that bit that you spoke about where Roy came in, it was like we we still retained all the positives of Vieira with the pressure mm. off, exactly like you say. But now that's gone. <laughs> so what we're left with is none of the positives of Vieira, none of the identity, none of the ambition. I don't know if anybody knows what we are as a club, who we are as a club, and and certainly what we are as a team. And that's what's coming through. Yeah, and, and I think to to that end, we start to think about who we are and what we are and all those kinds of questions. They're hard questions to answer. And, you know, I, I always say in any football match, you, you have to remember that there is an opponent and you have to remember that they have, you know, in that in that match, they have the same attitude that you that you have, as in there's three points on offer. And it might be hard, but they're going to try and find a way to get those three points. So you have to allow for bad performances and you have to allow for aberrations of results and things like that. But this has been coming. This is not a surprise. You know, we got smashed by Everton, really. Like, you know, we've my brain isn't really working in terms of we've had a run of poor results. Let's face it. We've won what one in five, 
I think one in six, I'm right in saying one in six. One in six. Yes, we, we were nil-nil at Forest. We lost to Newcastle, yeah. lost to Spurs, beat Burnley, lost to Everton, lost to Luton. There you go. So basically, in a, in a run of fixtures where you'd expect to be picking up the majority of points, you know, we, look, we beat Man United at Old Trafford, like not that long ago. And everyone was absolutely jubilant about that and absolutely right to be so. But you, but you in the course of a season, if you just look at those two games and you go, you've beaten Man United, but you lost to Luton, you'd expect those results to go the other way. So it's evened itself out. Fine. But that's not how reality works, right? Reality works is that a manager like Roy Hodgson, and the, the, we are told is a specialist at getting results from the games in, with the teams in and around you. He'll beat the teams in and around him and he'll get results, one or two results here and there against the bigger boys that you don't expect to get. And that's his yeah. whole thing. But he's not getting that now. Yeah. You know, we're playing the teams in and around us and we're not even playing well enough to get a result, let alone looking like getting a result. You know, beating Burnley, you know, who hasn't beaten Burnley this year? It's, it's you know... Nothing to to really scream about. And when you think about how many wins we've had this season, I mean, six of our 15 points is is Burnley and Sheffield United. You know, that that's yeah. fine. I'm not, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. You still have to go and win those games. I'm just saying it's not. 15 points after 13 games isn't great. Um, you know, Everton don't have their 10 points deducted. Things look more concerning than they are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we go, but, but you know, look, Dragging it back to the, the main point, when you look at what sort of a club we are and what we should be expecting, look at, at the team we have now. Okay, so I'm all for criticising um, a mismatch of ambition, what the board say and what they deliver and things like that. But what they have delivered for Roy Hodgson is a team that he was able to pick Eberechieze and Michael Olise in the same team. He's got a centre back pairing of Anderson and Gay, one of our best ever, if not best ever, centre-back pairings. Absolutely sensational players, right? You know, Lerma and Decure started the game in the centre midfield. Fantastic centre midfield pairing. You know, and we've, we have got, you know, goals in, in terms of Edward up top, you know, when he's given the right opportunities. We've got exciting young players, if we ever deem to use them. So the squad he has, the team he's able to pick... Excuse me, I need to cough. Excuse me. Right, the squad he has, the team he's able to pick, is not going to get much better, okay? And certainly if you look at what Luton put out, there's not much on there that you'd take. I'd take Russ Barkley, just because yeah. he's always just because he always plays well against us, quite frankly. It doesn't matter where he is in his career. He just As long as we have him, he can't play against us. I'd be happy with that. Um, but I wouldn't take much else. Yeah. You know, we're 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 staring on the back of a of a defeat when our only real contribution was a wonder goal. Yeah. That that is not in any way good enough. So I, I'm gonna I, talk really good. Go. So I just Go just on. wanted to make the point because I I can't remember if I've made this on the podcast or just in general uh conversation, but I am really worried that we are kind of steam steaming into a kind of Leicester City territory without having actually won the league in the time that we've been in the Premier League. But anyway, different different conversation. Um because arguably you could say the same for their team last year. Like they had the strong individual players like Madsen that uh, is showing kind of this season then um uh, his quality and some of the other players that then then sold on and they've been lucky to keep hold of um uh, a few to have a, a good start in the in the championship. But 
that was a a club that ran out of steam like it ran out of identity it ran out of what's next next uh and I think from like people I speak to um uh who are Leicester City fans they felt like their owners were distracted they took their eyes off kind of managing the the team uh or, or the squad I should say to how they were performing on the pitch and therefore they ended up getting relegated arguably when they 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 probably weren't as bad as some of the other options that that could have gone down, and and my worry is that we're going to do the same thing, because if you're not if you're not managing the club in a way that focuses on an ambition, gives people something to kind of fight for and fight towards, then you very quickly just go on that slippery slope. While you've got an Everton team who are out to kind of prove everybody wrong and out against the world, you know, and and that with Sean Dyche at the helm, like I I don't know a single person that is saying they think Everton will go down and they've just had 10 points deducted. <laughs> like That's what I mean about that ambition and that mentality. Like we just don't have any of it. And I'm not, I don't want us to get a 10 point deduction. Don't get me wrong. But like there needs to be something that happens that gives this group of players and the club as a whole, some kind of hunger to achieve something that isn't just avoiding relegation. Yeah. But I mean, it, my my fear is always that if if you we we talk so much, including those at the club right now, talk so much about well, you know, Roy's a safe pair of hands. Like it's just about avoiding, you know, you'll avoid relegation with Roy at the helm, and it's just that as I've said it probably many many times. It's 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 just, it's true as long as it happens. It's one of those weird things where people say it as fact, and you're just like. I think you know we're we're very fortunate with the way the league is looking this year. Very fortunate, and I'm still not going to relax. I I look yeah. at the next, you know, ten games or whatever, and I and I think at the end of those ten games, we'll, we'll be, you know, we'll over halfway into the season, won't we? So we'll we'll see where we are then, because it, it you know fixed runner fixtures does not look great for us, and. You know, we certainly won't be talking about how far into the top half we'll be finishing. I don't think, and then that in it, in, it, in itself, you then have to ask the question. You know, people like Mark Gay um, and and Michael Elise and even Eze themselves, contracts or no contracts, that they are targets for other clubs, bigger clubs with better resources, who with more ambition. We're going to find it very very hard to keep them, and then who comes behind them that's going to have the same impact. You know, we this the opportunity now to progress. It's now. It's right now. This Palace opportunity with this team is right now. It's not next season. It's now. So with that team, with that strength, we are thirteenth in the league, and our trend is downwards. And we're hitting a difficult run of fixtures. And in football, the only person responsible, ultimately, the one person who holds responsibility for that, is always the manager. Um, and for me, he's got a, he's got to be at threat of losing that job. He should be at threat of losing that job. He should be reflecting on the run of form, the way the, the team are playing, and thinking, I'm going to be lucky if I see the season out, because it's not good enough in any way. And I, I go to Joel Ward's comments after the game. You know, he's, and I, and I do wonder. I, you know, I like Joel Ward. I think you know the mentality. Him as a, as a captain, I think is he's, you know, he's really strong. And he and he talked about in the first half, we're not at the level we know we can be. Well, when have you been? Like, yeah. you, if you say that every game, then you are at the level because that's yeah. your level in the first half of every single football match. You know the 
the exception to the rule, like for the example, the Man United game, where we had a good opening first 45. I can't think of too many other games this season. Right now, I can't think of any other game this season. I'm probably not right, but I can absolutely guarantee you there's fewer games where we've been good in the first half than bad in the first half. And for that reason, that's a statement of complete and utter obliviousness to the truth. We are a bad team in the first half of football matches. That is our level. That is what we do. And we need to change it. We need to improve. So telling people that, oh, we didn't quite reach the level, you're kidding yourself. And then saying second half, we gave ourselves an uphill battle. Well, that's what happens if you waste the half of a football match. If you don't stamp your authority on a game against Luton Town in the first 45 minutes, you're setting yourself up for defeat. So I, I agree with that. You know, he talks about being frustrated with the defending and, and absolutely right, because that's a cornerstone of what we do. But it wasn't good enough. You know, the, the winning goal from Luton is just something that doesn't usually happen in the Palace back four, right? It, it, you don't usually get Anderson calling for the ball, so Johnston leaves it, then not touching it, so then he blames Johnston for not coming and getting it. That's that's not something that usually happens. Uh, it just shows you things aren't quite, they're not quite together, they're not quite, you know, the, the, there's been a knock to the confidence and that fluidity is gone, and it's it's a real concern. Um, other thing, obviously to talk about is there were two injuries in the game of significance. Um, Eze's got an ankle injury. They're not sure how serious, but hopefully doesn't look too bad. Um, but Czech Dekure looks like a really bad injury. Um, you know, immobilize a boot at the end of the game and very, very, very slowly walking. Um, it was a real scream as well. Nobody around him at all. Um, mm. just something's gone. I hope it's not the Achilles, but that's what it kind of looked like to me. It's something like that. It's either a snap of a muscle. Or, or maybe an Achilles snap, so really bad. Um, it doesn't. It does. It, it, yeah, it is a huge blow, and it did make me think when uh, it, both him and uh, Ezra went off. Back to the comments of the um, was it the Galatasaray physio or whatever about uh, how Palace manage players. Um, kind of health and stuff and you, you do just sit there and think like that's a worry for us immediately it's a worry for those players but it's also a worry about the reputation we have for attracting players to come to us as well you know the more yeah. this our kind of injury continues it's a conversation for another day not not necessarily today but um no, yeah I think there to, are wanna... immediate worries and yeah, well, we we want to stop this as soon as we can, don't we? So, um, but I will say one thing on that: you make a really interesting point, especially did I know you saw Roy's comments before the game, where he talked about whether Elise was fit or, or whatever, and he said quite you know smugly, "Well, the, the medical staff say it takes a number of weeks for them to be up to speed, but you know from my experience in football, you when they, once they're fit to play, you put them in the team and and, and they perform straight away." And it's just like, I, I feel like these are areas where, you know, our approach is, is somewhat, we have this, we have, we pay people to give proper professional advice. Um, yeah. but we have somebody at the helm who knows better, you know? And when you've got, yeah. like you, like you said, you've got a fully like a bench of people that we should be able to rely on a bench of players that like most of them were like probably chomping at the bit to get more minutes, you know, and mm -hmm. to like solidify their places. Why, why against Luton are you rushing people back? <laughs> like yeah. just none of it makes sense. A lot of it, it with Roy, I was like his stubbornness, 
Like it's because it's the it's the player that he wants on the pitch, and he's not going to be told otherwise, and everything else goes out the window. Yeah. No, I mean it's look, it's possible. For, I I I'm in a position where I like Roy. I do. I promise you, I do. And I respect him as a manager, and I respect what he's done. Um, but I don't want him anywhere near Palace anymore. I really, I have to be honest. I don't. I, I was talking with Patrick about this, and he gets more abuse than I do on the topic. But you're like, I've said, like, I, I, I said these words. So I said the abuse my way. Um, I said I can't wait for the myth to be over that that Hodgson is absolutely the best that we can hope for yeah. in these, uh, like. The best manager we can hope for with one of our best Premier League lineups ever is, is not Roy Hodgson. I'm sorry. It's a really strong squad. Really yeah. strong. I know we've had injury problems and I am sympathetic to that. But we we are so, so negative. We are so negative about the ability we have on the pitch. And it's horrible to to watch. And well, And I think if the truth of it is that Roy is the best we can get, that is a big problem because what's going on behind the scenes that is putting off the other managers who would love to come and manage Elise, Ezra, Gay, Anderson. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, there, there must on paper there must be loads that are biting your hand off to to be in charge of that team. So, what is yeah. it that's putting those managers off then? If if it really is true that we that the best we can do is Roy Mark fifty million, <laughs> but he's. I mean, after the game, I was like, I, I've watched this interview and like, I, I always want, you know, he starts with like, I'm going to congratulate Luton on that. They worked very hard for their victory. And you're like, yeah, they worked really hard. Why didn't we? And then yeah. he talked about being, talked about being unlucky. And I'm just like, we weren't really unlucky. And I know Edward had a goal disallowed and it was bad luck. He didn't mean to handball it, but he did. And that probably, probably is a turning point in the game. He talked about their keeper having an outstanding game. Well, he's he's actually saved two, made two really really good saves. But they weren't saves you wouldn't expect a decent keeper to make. I'd have accepted expected yeah. Johnston to to have a good crack at those saves. But a lot of the saves he made were because the ball was just too close to him. You know, we we weren't getting shots into corner. We weren't getting to getting making the most of the opportunities we had. But then he started talking about it's just we're just going down this road of blaming the players again mm. which creeps in every now and then where it's so he's talking about Elise being you know he should be pleased with his day's work and he said unfortunately we didn't have as many of those type of players as we'd have liked so you know he said with the players we had on the field I should we thought we should be at least capable of coming away with at least a point you don't yeah, say so, sorry sorry what at least a point against Luton <laughs> How are you not going into that game thinking that we have the ability to take all three and we were the favourites to take all three and we should have taken all three? So even that annoys me <laughs> without even getting into what's wrong with that making that statement after the performance. If you're not going into that game and coming out of it going, yeah, that's a fucking disaster that we, excuse my language, but that's a disaster that we didn't get three points from that. Like how we ended up in this situation. I, I just... I just can't. I actually just want to do the rest of the podcast. However many minutes we're doing this for, I might just sit here and just bang my head on the table because that's how think... <laughs> this club <laughs> makes me feel at the moment. Yeah, but but absolutely right, it does. Yeah, it, it's it's really odd, you know. And I'm I'm just thought I'd, I'm going I'm looking through Luton's games at the moment. I'm trying to think. Okay, so they beat Everton, right? 
that was their first win in the on the thirtieth of September. Um, they drew with Wolves. Okay, all right. Drew with Wolves. Yeah. Just having a, a quick look through. Uh, they drew with Forest. So we so just pause in there. So we yeah. beat we beat Wolves, mm-hmm. lost to Everton, drew with Forest. So we're not doing that differently so far. No, no. Um, they lost to Burnley. They were the recipients of the only win Burnley have had this season. Burnley have won one and drawn one and lost the rest. And that one of the victories was against Luton. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, they did draw against Liverpool, Luton. So they they haven't been smashed in, in many games. Like Villa did a pretty decent job on them. Um, and I think Chelsea just sort of pretty much, Chelsea and Brighton destroyed them, I think it's mm. fair to say. But other than that, you know, they've been in games, they've been working hard and they've got a decent manager, a former player of ours, you know, Rob Edwards. But yeah. um, I just think it's worth considering, but like, I'm, I'll be making excuses if I said that, that that made it okay to lose the game. In terms of points that they've taken, you can be impressed with their draw against Liverpool. But the rest of it, you, you know, the context is they're a team that lost to Burnley at home. Yeah, and that that's that context that I want you know to to consider in ter- when we think about the fact that we lost to them. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, and I I just think we're I think we are out of excuses and and um, yeah, we have a game against West yeah. Ham and a game against Bournemouth, and I think in both those games points are incredibly important. Um, you know, we need to address this situation now. I'm telling you now, no, zero points out of those two games. I'm not saying it will happen. It, I'd be absolutely shocked if we don't get anything from those two games. But if we don't, a, a change has to happen, you know, before Christmas. You know, let's, let's give somebody a, a few weeks and then the January transfer window and just do something different because this is yeah. fast becoming one of the most underwhelming, underachieving seasons in a long, long time. Yeah, any other manager would like be worried now, but I don't think Roy will be worried. I also don't think he doesn't need to work, does he, for various reasons. Mm. So it also worries me that I don't know what that pressure is actually going to do to him because, I mean, does does he care if he's then out of a job? I think you know. I think there's a lot of pride there, but I, but I also think that's half the problem. I think you talked about yeah. his stubbornness earlier. I think if he's, if something's going badly and someone says, hey, you should probably do something a bit different, he's going to be like, absolutely no. I'm digging my heels in. I'm going to do exactly what I've done yeah. all the time because that's what I'm yeah. used to doing. And it will get us the results. It will get us the points. But, you know, yeah. honestly, and I, I invite anybody who's thinking you've been overly negative, how dare you question right? Anyone who's thinking that right now, do you really want to watch Palace right now? When you think about the next game, do you think can't wait for that next game if if you filter out going to see your mates having a beer at the pub or whatever you know what used to keep me motivated was a quick visit to Morley's on the way home you know that kind of stuff like if you take all of the fun stuff that isn't the football out of it um other than those of you who just literally go for for the atmosphere and don't care about the result um do you really want to go and watch Christian Palace right now the atmospheres are going to start to like change as well, though, aren't they? Because we know how this goes. Like, I think the fan base is, if it's not already lost, like it's well on the way. And we know, like, the, the only thing that is more of an atmosphere 
than an absolutely like on top of the world sellers park is a really pissed off sellers park <laughs> and i think we are quite yeah. quickly uh heading into that 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 type of atmosphere but i really hope that this maybe is like a kick up the arse and uh, they come out against West Ham uh, next week and we see a completely different kind of performance. That would be great. And, and that we can ride off that into Christmas, but yeah. Indeed. Well, one thing's for sure. It seems unlikely that, um, that if Eze's out, it seems unlikely that Will Hughes will be playing number 10 because he's going to have to cover for Jake de Curry. So be interesting to see who, who who's in for Eze if he's not fit for, for the West Ham game. But yeah, certainly, you know, two big changes there coming uh, and we'll see how we respond. Um, but look, we'll let Nick and Patrick and Chris talk about that in the week in the preview. So do look out for that. Um, sure, there'll be plenty more reaction. I know DR's been going absolutely batshit crazy on YouTube. And it's quite entertaining to watch um, him and the gang. So do head over there as well. Like, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. So thank you, Cara, for, for joining me today. Uh, I thank Mikey, but yet again, he wasn't available to produce, so I did it myself. But he will edit it later. So thank you for editing it later, Mikey. Um, And thanks to everyone for listening. Um, I really hope we get an opportunity to have a much more upbeat and positive show. Uh, And I really wish we could have talked more in a happier way about Michael and Lisa's goals, which has got to be up there for goal of the season. But until next time, come on, you Palace. See, I didn't even care then. Come on, you palace. Come on, you palace. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.